ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار خلاص اما بعد we continue with the explanation of the four hadith of al-imam an-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala in the last class we arrived to al-hadith al-thani the second hadith an umar radiyallahu an aydha qala baynama nahnu julusun inda rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dhata yawm إذ طلع علينا رجل شديد بياد الثياب شديد سواد الشعر لا يرى عليه اثر السفر ولا يعرفه منا احد حتى جلس الى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فاسند ركبتيه الى ركبتين ووضع كفيه على فخذيه وقال يا محمد اخبرني عن الاسلام وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الاسلام ان تشهد ان لا اله الا الله وان محمدا رسول الله وتقيم الصلاه وتؤتي الزكاه وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت ان استطعت اليه سبيلا قال صدق فعجبنا له يساله ويصدقه قال فاخبرني عن الايمان قال انت من بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الاخر وتؤمن بالقدر خيره وشره قال صدق 
قال فاخبرني عن الاحسان قال ان تعبد الله كانك تراه فان لم تكن تراه فانه يرى قال فاخبرني عن الساعه قال ما المسؤول عنها باعلم من السائل قال فاخبرني عن اماراتها قال ان تلد الامه ربتها وان ترى الحفاه العراه العاله رعاء الشاء يتطاولون في البنيان قال ثم انطلق فلبثت مليا ثم قال يا عمر اتدري من السائل قلت الله ورسوله اعلم قال فانه جبريل اتاكم يعلمكم دينكم رواه مسلم so this narration is also on the authority of Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu an he said one day when we were sitting with the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam there appeared upon us a man who had a severely white garment and severely black hair and the traces of traveling were not visual or apparent upon him and no one from amongst us knew him until he sat next to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he put his knees up to his knees and placed his two hands upon his thighs and he said o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam inform me about al islam the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said al islam is that you testify that none has the right to be worshiped except for allah and that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the messenger of allah that you establish the prayer that you pay the zakat that you fast in the month of ramadan and that you make the pilgrimage to the sacred house if you have the ability to do so he said you have spoken the truth Umar said we were amazed that he asked him a question and then afterwards confirmed what he said. He said inform me about iman, al-iman, faith. He said that faith is that you believe in Allah, his angels, his books, his messengers, the last day and the divine and that you believe in the divine decree, the good of it and the bad of it. He said you have spoken the truth. He said inform me about al-ihsan the perfection in worship He said sallallahu alayhi wasallam it is that you worship Allah as if you see him and although you do not see him indeed he sees you He then said inform me about the hour The messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the one being asked about it has no more knowledge than the one who was asking. He said, "Then inform me about its signs." He said, "When the serving girl gives birth to her master and that you see the barefooted naked sheep herders who are destitute competing in the construction of tall buildings and then he left Umar he said I remained there for a while and then the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said oh Umar do you know who the questioner was Umar he said I said Allah and his messenger knows best 
He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, indeed it was Jibreel, he came to teach you your religion. We covered that this narration is a tremendous narration as the religion of Islam is based upon this narration. As this narration clarifies the three levels of the deen, Al-Islam, Al-Iman, and Al-Ihsan. And the scholars, they have mentioned that this hadith is known as Ummu Sunnah, the mother of the Sunnah. And that is due to all of the meanings of the Sunnah returned back to this narration. Just as Surah Al-Fatiha is known as Ummul Quran or Ummul Kitab, the mother of the book, because all of the meanings of the Quran return back to Surah Al-Fatiha. This narration also establishes that the Muslims are upon different levels of practice in their religion. And not everyone is on the same level of practice. Some people, their practice of the deen is stronger than others. And this is a refutation against the likes of the Murjia who claim that a person who commits zina, a person who steals, a person who uses intoxicants, that his iman is similar to the iman of Jibreel or similar to the iman of Abu Bakr and Umar and the likes. The people are on different levels when it comes to the practice of Islam. Umar ibn Khattab He said that one day when we were sitting with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This is the way of the Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum Ajma'in The Sahaba They would gather around the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam To benefit from his knowledge As the Prophet ﷺ, he educated the people about their Lord. He educated the people when it came to how to believe, how to worship properly, how to behave, how to carry on with one's dealings and transactions. So the Sahaba, they would sit with the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ to learn the religion. And in our day and time, the classes that are taught throughout the masajid where the people are teaching the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam upon the understanding of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een it is befitting that we attend these classes to learn about our religion and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned showing the virtues of seeking knowledge مَنْ سَلَكَ طُرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ بِهِ الْعِلْمِ سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ طُرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ That whoever traverses upon a path by which the person is seeking the knowledge, meaning the knowledge of the religion, Allah will make for him easy a path to paradise. So when a person attends the lessons in the masajid, 
learning about Allah, learning about the Prophet ﷺ, learning about Islam, then this person is traversing upon one of the paths that lead to paradise. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they would sit with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Prophet would teach them. He would educate them about the religion. They would learn from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Also, barakallahu feekum, Umar bin Khattabi mentioned that on this day they were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu that a man appeared. And this man, he, his garment was extremely white and his hair was extremely black. And the traces of traveling were not apparent upon his outward appearance. His statement, his garment was extremely white and hair extremely black is the opposite of a person who will be traveling, especially in those days and times. A person is traveling through the desert, the garment will become dark from the dust and the dirt, and the hair will be white from the dirt and the dust and the sand getting upon the hair. But this individual was the opposite. And Umar said, the traces of traveling were not apparent upon him, and none of us knew him. So that means that he's not from Medina. But yet, he has the appearance of an individual who just came out of his home. But what do we learn from this? Barakallah fikum. Because at the end of the hadith, the Prophet said, this is Jibril, he came to teach you your religion. We don't just benefit from the question and answer that took place between the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and Jibreel salam. Rather, we benefit from everything that took place, from what is mentioned in this narration. So what we benefit from this is that when individuals go to the gatherings of knowledge, they should go in a manner that is presentable. Their clothing should be clean, and they should be presentable because you're going to learn about the religion. And likewise, those who are teaching the religion should also come in a manner that is presentable. And this is from our deen, alhamdulillah. And this shows that the religion of Islam is a complete way of life. Islam doesn't only deal with how to pray, how to fast, how to give charity, how to, to make hajj. And then that's it. Or believe in Allah, believe in it. And then that's it. No, Islam also teaches us the proper etiquette that we are to observe as Muslims. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ, he had a fine Yemeni cloak. That whenever the delegations would come and visit him in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ would put on this fine Yemeni cloak, a cloak to greet and meet the delegation. And this shows us that whenever we have important affairs or important appointments, that it is from the sunnah that we wear the best of our clothing. Another point from here is that the people of Medina, they knew one another. As Umar ibn Khattab said, and no one from amongst us knew him. That shows that the community was a tight-knit community. 
And this is how the Muslims should be with one another. That whenever we are a part of a community, we should know one another. And that's going to come through us interacting with one another and having concern for one another. As we know from other narrations, that if a companion was missing from the gathering, the Prophet would say, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen him. Or the likes of this. But this is because the Prophet he interacted with his companions. And he had a personal relationship with his companions. And it's important for the benefit of the Muslim community, for the strengthening of the Muslim community, that we strive to get to know one another in a manner that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to establish the brotherhood and the sisterhood. As Allah Azawajal mentions about the believers, that indeed the believers are brothers. And the Prophet mentioned Al Muslim Akul Muslim. That the Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. And the Prophet he also mentioned Al Mu'min ila al Mu'min Kalbuyan Yushubdu Ba'duhu Ba'da wa Shabbaka Bayna Asabi'a. Like this. The Prophet said the believer is to another believer like a building. Each part strengthening one another. And then he took his fingers and interlaced between them. Showing that this is how the relationship should be between the Muslims. So Umar ibn Khattab, he said, and no one from amongst us knew him. As the people of Medina, they knew one another, they had a relationship with one another. This was a strong and tight-knit community. And then he came to the Prophet and he sat directly in front of the Prophet and he put his knees to his knees. This statement that he came and sat next to the Prophet and he put his knees to his knees. The scholars, they mention that this is from the mannerisms of one coming to the gatherings of knowledge, that they get close to the teacher as much as possible. And this was a display of mannerisms that Jibreel was showing with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also, Barakallahu Fikum, it is stated that he placed his hands upon the thighs or upon his thighs. This can mean that Jibreel placed his hands upon his own thighs or that Jibreel placed his hands upon the thighs of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there is one narration that actually mentions that Jibreel put his hands upon the thighs of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Come.
So in this manner. Then he says to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Muhammad, akhbirni an al-Islam. O Muhammad, inform me about Islam. Now here we have an issue. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He states, لَا تَجْعَلُوا دُعَاءَ الرَّسُولِ بَيْنَكُمْ كَدُعَاءِ بَعْدِكُمْ بَعْضًا Do not make your calling of the Messenger of Allah similar to how you call upon one another. Was meant by this verse, and this is Surah Al-Nur, verse number 63. It is not allowed to say, O Muhammad, like that, sallallahu alayhi wa Rather, the companions were commanded to have mannerisms and respect with the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa and they don't call him on like a first name basis. Rather, they were, call, they were commanded to call him, O Messenger of Allah, like that. O Prophet of Allah. In this manner. But here Jibreel he says, O Muhammad. So the scholars, they say, the reason behind this is that number one, number This was Jibreel alayhi salam using this terminology to get the attention of the people. So when he says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O Muhammad, now those around are going to be like, who is this? Calling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam by his first name like this. That's now everybody's going to be paying attention to what's going on. That's one explanation. Another explanation that is given is that the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not call or do not make your calling of the messenger similar to how you call one another, that this is Allah azza wa addressing mankind. And the angels are excluded from this. As Jibreel salam, he's from the malaika. So he's not the one being addressed with this command. The third explanation, the third explanation, is that the verse did not come down as of yet. 
from Surah An-Nur. The verse didn't come down yet, so the matter was not applicable. Some of the ulama, they prefer that the strongest of these three statements is the first. That the Prophet ﷺ was called by his first name so as to alert those and get the attention of those who were sitting around him. So that they can pay attention to what's going on so that they can learn their religion. He says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Akhbirni an al-Islam. Inform me about Islam. Al-Islam, or Islam, has two meanings. There is a general meaning to Islam, and then a specific meaning of Islam. As for the general meaning of Islam, al-ma'na al-aam, al-istislamu lillahi bit-tawheed, wal-inqiyadu lahu bit-ta'a, wal-bara'atu min al-shirki wa ahlihi. Hadhu huwa ma'na al-islam al-aam. The general meaning of Islam is submission to Allah with monotheism. Adherence to Allah with acts of obedience. Disassociation from polytheism and the people of polytheism. That's the general meaning of Islam. So when you see in the Quran Allah Azawajal describing other prophets as being Muslims, Meaning under this uh, definition of Islam, the general meaning. All prophets are Muslims. All prophets and messengers and their followers are Muslims. Under the general meaning of Islam, submitting to Allah with monotheism. All prophets and messengers submitted to Allah and worshipped Allah alone and their followers. Adherence to Allah with acts of obedience. The prophets and the messengers, they obeyed Allah. Whatever the legislation was that was for that prophet and messenger, they were obedient to Allah and they followed what Allah commanded them to do. Disassociation from polytheism and the people of polytheism. This is what you also find with the prophets and the messengers. Allah Azawajal mentions, قَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ فِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَالَّذِينَ مَعْهُمْ إِذْ قَالُوا لِقَوْمِهِمْ إِنَّا بُرَآءٌ مِّنْكُمْ وَمِمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ كَفَرْنَا بِكُمْ وَبَدَا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةُ وَالْبَغْضَاءُ أَبَدًا حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَحْدًا Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions that indeed you have in Ibrahim and those with him a beautiful example. Who are those with Ibrahim? The scholars they mention and explain in the verse, Al-Anbiya wa Rusul The Prophets and the Messengers These are the ones who are with Ibrahim salam, Because The majority of the Prophets and the Messengers They are from The lineage of Ibrahim salam. He is considered The father of the Anbiya So those with him Meaning those upon his path 
right? So you have a beautiful example in Ibrahim and those with him when they said to their people, indeed we are free from you. And we are free from that which you worship besides Allah. We have rejected you. And there has begun between us enmity and hatred forever until you believe in Allah alone. So here we have an example of previous prophets and messengers freeing themselves from polytheism and the people of polytheism, establishing that they only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. That's Islam. That's the religion of Islam in the general sense. And what did Allah say to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? ثُمَّ أَوْحَيْنَ إِلَيْكَ أَنْ إِتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And then we reveal to you, meaning you and Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, to follow the path, the religion, the millahs, the deen. To follow the deen of the millah of Ibrahim, who was a monotheist and he was not from amongst the polytheists. Allah azza wa jal mentions, مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًّا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And Ibrahim, he was not a Jew, nor was he a Christian, but he was a Hanif, he was a monotheist, he was a Muslim, he submitted to Allah, and he was not from amongst the polytheists. So the general meaning of Islam, الْإِسْتِسْلَامُ لِلَّهِ بِالتَّوْحِيدِ وَالْإِنْقِيَادُ لَهُ بِالطَّعَةِ وَالْبَرَاءَةُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَأَهْلِهِ To the submission to Allah with monotheism. Adherence to Allah with acts of obedience. Disassociation from polytheism and the people of polytheism. So if someone says, how can Ibrahim salam be a Muslim? He didn't pray five times a day. We say he is a Muslim from the general aspect of the meaning Islam, from that angle. As for the specific meaning of Islam, then it is that which the Prophet ﷺ came with. That which the Prophet ﷺ mentions here in responding to the questions of Jibreel ﷺ. Al-Islam, as seen here, the Prophet ﷺ mentions five pillars. The first pillar being the two testimonies of faith. An tashhad an la ilaha illallah. Wa anna Muhammad rasulullah. This is the first pillar that entails two aspects. That you testify that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah. These two testimonies of faith represents the one pillar and it is the most important pillar of Islam. Without this pillar, the person has no deen. These two testimonies of faith represent al-ikhlas wal-ittiba'ah. Sincerity and the following of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Shahada of La ilaha illallah, that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah, it has conditions. 
from the conditions of la ilaha illallah al-ilm that a person must have knowledge of the meaning of la ilaha illallah why is this important because if a person says la ilaha illallah he doesn't know what he or she is saying what's the benefit the person doesn't understand what the person is saying what is the benefit when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he called the people to la ilaha illallah there's a narration that the prophet was in the marketplace of mina and he said ya qaumi qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu o my people say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful Is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam just calling them to make a statement and they don't understand what they're saying? Of course not. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he's calling them to make a statement and to understand what the statement means. And they understood. As Allah azza wa jalla mentioned that the polytheists they said in response to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he called them to la ilaha illallah they said aja'ala al-alihata ilahan wahida inna hadha la shay'un ujab does he make all of the gods to be just one god that is worship indeed this is a strange thing so that's a, that that verse indicates that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he called the polytheists of quraish to la ilaha illallah they understood the meaning they understood the meaning and it wasn't just that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam called them to make the statement without having knowledge and understanding of the meaning also we have the statement of allah azza wa jal fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah have knowledge that none has the right to be worshiped except for allah also we have the hadith of uthman ibn affan radiyallahu an where he stated that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said من مات وهو يعلم أنه لا إله إلا الله دخل الجنة. That whoever dies knowing that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah, he enters into the paradise. So the first condition of لا إله إلا الله is العلم, having knowledge of the meaning of لا إله إلا الله. And this brings us to the point that we've mentioned. previously that there are those who misinterpret or mistranslate the meaning of la ilaha illallah some have translated la ilaha illallah to be there is no god but allah which you have there in that book yes the translation of la ilaha illallah what they have there is there if that's the english translation of 40 hadith is there Look past it to me, inshallah.
Case in point. Islam is to testify that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. This is a mistake. Why? That's one aspect. When your person says there's no God but Allah, that this is denying the existence of the false gods. Other gods exist, but they're false. They're false. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنَّ مَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ that is because Allah is the truth and that which they make dua to. And the ilah is the meaning of ilah in the Arabic is ma'bud. Something that's worshipped. Allah is al-ilah. The true deity. There are other deities. Right? But they are false deities. So we do not deny the existence of Deities besides Allah. What we are denying is that they don't have right to be worshipped. They don't have the right to be worshipped. Only Allah Azawajal, who is the true deity, has the right to be worshipped. So when you say that there is no God but Allah, then this is a denial of the existence of the deities. Here's another uh, proof. Surah Hud, verse 101. Allah Azza wa he mentions, وَمَا ظَلَمْنَاهُمْ وَلَكِنْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ فَمَا أَغْنَتْ عَنْهُمْ آلِهَتُهُمْ التي يدعون من دون الله من شيء لما جاء أمر ربك وما زادوهم غير تدبيب. Allah Azza wa Jal He states, we did not wrong them, we did not oppress them, but they oppressed themselves. We did not wrong them, but they wronged themselves. They oppress themselves and their gods the Kawallah described them as being what? Gods. No Allah their gods. Allah described them as their gods. So Allah is mentioning that they have gods. Establishing that they're the polytheists they have for themselves gods. However they are false gods. So to say there is no God but Allah no, there are other gods, but they're false gods. And Allah Azza wa Jal is the true living God and deity, or the one who has the right to be worshipped. So Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that they're gods that they used to call on. Besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they did not help them. Because they're false, they have no power. When the command of your Lord came in, when the punishment of Allah came, these gods could not help them and repel from them the punishment of Allah. And they only increased them in loss. They only increased them in destruction. These gods, these fake and false gods, only increased those people in destruction and in loss. But the shahid or the point is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described 
that which they worship besides them as being their gods. So when the, when the, the La ilaha illallah is translated, there is no God but Allah, then this is denying the existence of there being gods that are worshipped. No, there are other gods besides Allah, but they are false gods, and they are worshipped in falsehood. The other angle why that translation is mistaken, to say that there is no God but Allah, means that there is nothing that is worshipped except Allah. Because remember, ilah has the meaning of ma'bud. So if you say there is no ma'bud except for Allah, there's nothing worshipped except for Allah, then that would mean that everything that is worshipped is Allah, which is a khata, is a major mistake. Then you have those who interpret la ilaha illallah to mean, or they translate it to mean, la khaliq illallah. There is no creator except for Allah. And this also is a mistake. Because when the Prophet ﷺ called the people to la ilaha illallah, he was not calling them to believe that Allah is the creator. Because they already believed that. As Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَكُولُونَ اللَّهِ And if you were to ask them, who created the heavens and the earth, they would say Allah. So that shows that the polytheists in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they already believed that Allah is the creator. So what would be the benefit in calling them to la ilaha illallah, that there is no creator except for Allah, and they already believe that? That would mean that they are already Muslims. And then look again, going back to what Allah says, that they said in response to the call of the Prophet ﷺ to la ilaha illallah, أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَاهٌ وَاحِدًا does he make all of the gods to be only one god that's worshipped? You see, they understood. It was the issue of worship. Look at when he called his uncle Abu Talib to Islam. Ya am, kul la ilaha illallah. Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah. Kalima uhaju biha anka illallahi yawm al-qiyamah. A word that I can defend you with in front of Allah on the day of judgment. Abu Talib already believed that Allah was the creator. So what is the Prophet calling him to? To leave off the worship of the other gods. As Abu Jahl said to him, Ataragab an millati Abdul Muttalib, you're gonna turn away from the religion of Abdul Muttalib? What was the religion of Abdul Muttalib? To worship more than one god. Did Abdul Muttalib believe in, that Allah existed? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Did he believe that Allah is the creator and the Lord? Yes. That's clear in the story of Abraha when he came with the elephants to destroy the Kaaba. They was leaving. He said, that house has a Lord who will defend it. So Abdul Muttalib believed that Allah is the creator and the Lord. So if the Prophet ﷺ was calling his uncle to believe that there is no creator except for Allah, then what was the problem with him saying, La ilaha illallah? Because that's what Abdul, Abdul Muttalib believed. It shows you that the Prophet ﷺ was calling him to abandon polytheism. And that is the meaning of la ilaha illallah, that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah. Then you have those who interpret the meaning of la ilaha illallah to mean la mawjud illallah. 
which means that there is nothing that exists except for Allah. What's wrong with this statement? There is nothing that exists except for Allah. Or la haqiqa illallah. There is no reality except for Allah. What's wrong with that? For sure it's not right. <laughs> say that again. No, they said no, there is no reality except for Allah. From what angle? So that would mean what? If they if they saying that every all reality is Allah and there is no existence except for the existence of Allah, what does this mean? Huh? Only Allah exists. So that means what? what? Who are we? No, we do exist, but we are Allah. That's the point. La mawjood illallah. There is no existence except for Allah. Means that everything in the existence is Allah, and Allah is the existence. Right. Allah is al khaliq wal makhluq, al makhluq wal khaliq. And this is like the innovation you find with the likes of Ibn Arabi. Not Ibn Al-Arabi. Ibn Al-Arabi with Alif and Lam, that's one of the scholars from the Maliki Madhab, one of the scholars of Ahl-Sunnah. So don't confuse the two. You have Ibn Arabi, right? The heretic, the mulhid. Yes, that too. <laughs> and Ibn Al-Arabi, the scholar of Islam from the Maliki Madhab, from one of the scholars of Ahl-Sunnah. But the point is that his belief was wahdatul wujud, that everything in the existence is one. So there's no difference between Allah and the dog. And they have statements like this: that the Lord is the dog, and the dog is the Lord, and there's no difference between them. And we know that this is the furthest from the truth and from that which the Prophet sallallahu taught us. Then you have those who interpret La ilaha illallah to mean La hakim illallah That there is no judge Except for Allah connected to, Connecting La ilaha illallah To the affair of Judgments and rulings And this is also a mistake As this is not what the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught And rather you find Those who have a political agenda They push this understanding they push this understanding. And later in the different narrations, we will cover those affairs. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Also from the conditions of la ilaha illallah, al-yaqeen, certainty. That when a person says la ilaha illallah, the person has to be saying la ilaha illallah with certainty from their heart, not having any doubt. <laughs> Doubt in the religion is one of the affairs of that can cause apostasy. Apostasy or riddah from the religion can take place by a statement. It can take place by an action. It can take place by something that somebody believes. It can take place by doubt. As an example, a person curses the Prophet wasallam. Knowingly, willingly. This statement right here will cause the person not to be a Muslim. You can't curse the Prophet. You can't curse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Cursing Allah and cursing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is a serious offense. 
Or a person, he prostrates to an idol. This is shirk al-akbar. A person believes that there is another prophet after Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Or a person believes that Allah, he came in the body of, uh, it's the master Farah Muhammad. Like the FOI believes, Farrakhan and his followers. That, that Allah came in the body of Master Farah Muhammad and Elijah Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So they believe that there's a messenger after Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu This is disbelief. This is disbelief. They believe as an example, and I'm not sure they still state this, but they used to believe that there is a mothership going around the earth. And at the end of time, the believers are going to get on the mothership. But you have to be 150 pounds. <laughs> Which will eliminate a lot of us. <laughs> and this is why they, they, they had their strict diets, eating once a day. And what was the name of the book? How to, um, huh? How to eat to live. And all. That was preparing them for the mothership and the likes. But the point, the point I'm making that these type of beliefs are contrary to what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. You don't find the likes of this being mentioned in the Qur'an. Rather, you find mentioned in the Qur'an the Day of Judgment. They don't believe in the Day of Judgment. They don't believe in the Akhirah. So a person's belief can cause a person not to be a Muslim. And likewise, doubt. Having doubt. As, as Allah Azza wa Jal, He describes the believers... إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَرْتَابُوا The believers are only those who believe in Allah and the Messenger and they don't have any doubt. So it's not allowed for a person as a Muslim to have doubt in the religion. You have to believe in the Qur'an with certainty. You have to believe in the message of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ with certainty. You can't say, well, I've read the verse, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. No, you have to believe it. Even if you don't have full comprehension, but you know Allah has spoken the truth. The Prophet ﷺ has said something, this is, we're sure this is from the Prophet ﷺ, you have to believe it. Even if you don't have full comprehension. Now, so inshallah ta'ala, we will stop at this point. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. Subhanaka Allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa antabili.